0: Thank you for being with us uh, this morning online. Uh, We are together in a unique way during an extraordinary period of history. I want to take you back through a little bit of history this morning. Um, At the turn of the 19th century, so as the 1800s came to a close, um, sociologists predicted that the 20th century would see the end of religion. Uh, Certainly the extinction of Christianity was anticipated. Uh, Science, it was believed, uh, would replace faith. Human beings uh, would see that the superstitions Christians believe would be exposed and the real explanation for life and death and all that we experience uh, would be shown and there would be no longer need for religion or faith. 121 years later, we look back and we say, but, but here we are. Uh, how can this be? In fact, if we drill down into some of the actual numbers of what, to, what have taken place over the past century, the true reality is actually rather astounding. In, in the year 1900 in Latin America, there were 50,000 evangelical Christians, Today, there's over a hundred million. In 1949, when the West was shut out of mainland China uh, under communist rule, uh, there were an estimated 700,000 Christians in China at that time. Today, the estimates range from 80 million to 140 million Christians in, in China. How can this be? Um, In 1910, uh, the Edinburgh Missionary Conference was held in in Edinburgh, uh, Scotland. And and it was estimated then, uh, with dire warning, that by the end of the 20th century, Africa would be entirely Muslim. At that time, they estimated about 5.4 million Christians in the dark continent, in Africa. Today, there would be over 540 million Christians in the continent of Africa. How can this be? A Canadian uh, international leader, Brian Stiller, president of the World Evangelical Alliance, describes Central Africa today as the center of the population of, Christ- of Christendom, of Christianity. In fact, if you were to try to create a composite of sort of the average christian in the world she would be a 30 something west or central african woman just in the past 60 years since 1960 the evangelical church has grown from 90 million evangelicals around the world to an estimated 650 million evangelicals in 2021 how can this be So there are several things that we can turn to and say, well, these are factors. One was that in the early part of the 20th century, uh, evangelical leaders began to realize that Christian faith must be expressed through, through the voice, through the vernacular of local cultures. We refer to it as the indigenization of leadership. So increasingly, Over the last hundred years, men, white men and women transferred leadership to local leaders and encouraged them to express the love of Jesus through their culture in ways their people could hear it. Related to this, Bibles began to be translated into local languages and dialects. Beginning in earnest in 1942 with the formation of Wycliffe Bible Translators, For the first time, peoples of of many parts of the world began hearing about Jesus in the voice of their, their hearts' language. And this had enormous impact on the growth of the church. But under all of this, inspiring all of this, moving and causing all of this, was an overwhelmingly significant reality. There was something far more substantial going on. The church of Jesus Christ had begun to pay specific attention to the work and the role of God the Holy Spirit. Towards the close of the 19th century, and as the 20th century began, the church discovered that we had been minimizing possibly even ignoring the role in the work of God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. I mean, th- through the first 1900 years, really important things were established and, and, and sorted through. Who, who is Jesus? How, how do we understand this God-man walking who walked among us? And how do we understand his relationship to God the Father? And papers were written, and books were written, and conferences were held, and and the the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were understood and expanded upon. But for the most part, the work of God the Holy Spirit, what was incidental rather than primary in those discussions. But, But beginning in the late 1800s and continuing through most of the 20th century, The church has wrestled with understanding and, more importantly, experiencing the move of the power of God the Holy Spirit at work in us, His church, His people. And today is Pentecost Sunday. This is the anniversary of Jesus fulfilling the promise of the Father a promise that he would re-articulate in the Gospels, a promise that Jesus made that he would not abandon his followers. Rather, Jesus would come to us and live in us. We often refer to Pentecost as the birthday of the church. Happy birthday, church. Isn't that fantastic? We're gonna look this morning at the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Jesus had been preparing his disciples for what was coming. Uh, Jesus would be murdered. He, he would spend three days in the grave and then he would rise from the dead. Forty days later, Jesus ascended to the Father, but he promised that he was not leaving us alone. So what is Jesus' promise to me. Let me read it for you. John chapter 14, verse 15. I'm in the New Living Translation. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus speaking, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now now let me point out a couple of things about these words of Jesus. The first is that the promise is attached to, to our obedience, verse 15, if you love me, obey my commands and I will ask the Father. My my ability to fully receive is connected to my willingness to fully obey. it's It's as though you and I have control of the gas pedal, that our foot is on the accelerator and we have something to say about the flow of God the Holy Spirit into our lives. The Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, said this. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a command to the followers of Jesus. So the promise is attached somehow to our obedience. A second observation is that Jesus is promising his help. That's why he promises the helper. Okay, so the Greek word is uh, parakletos, Most modern translations into the English translate it advocate. Parakletos becomes advocate. Parakletos has a a legal connotation. He's our advocate. He's our representative. Uh, He's our counselor. He is our helper. Now notice that Jesus promises another parakletos, another advocate advocate it's another helper meaning that Jesus was our first advocate and he would be leaving and that's why he promises the helper that that he's going to come but notice it's it's another like the first that will be given so so the promise is attached to to our obedience. I wonder if you could throw that text back up on the screen for me, guys, please. Um, The the promise is attached to our obedience and Jesus is promising to help us. Now, here's a third observation about this. Jesus is promising his presence. In verse 18, he says, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. (laughs) So, So which is it? Right, it is is he leaving us and sending another, or is he coming to us? And the answer is yes, he is. Okay, another advocate like the first advocate, but, but not constrained now by his incarnation, not constrained by flesh and blood. The second person of the Trinity would leave and come back in the third person of the Trinity. There's one God who expresses himself in three distinct persons, and Jesus is going to say a little bit more about this in this passage in just a moment. But first, let's go to over to Acts chapter 2. So, so obedience matters. Jesus is promising his help to all of us in all of this. And he's promising his intimate presence to us. But look at Acts chapter 2 and the fulfillment, or at least the first fulfillment of that promise. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, I'm going to read through verse 8, then I'm going to jump over to verse 14. This is the word of the Lord, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or, or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by these believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed, these people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Note what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And then the apostle Peter reminded them that the Old Testament prophet Joel had said that this would happen, the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all of God's children, all those who seek him. And I expect Peter was remembering that Jesus had promised this as well back in John 14. And then Peter told them about Jesus. Jesus. He invited them to follow Jesus. And 3,000 people said yes to Jesus that day. Now I want you to notice something particular about this first Pentecost Sunday. When God the Holy Spirit came like a roaring windstorm, verse two, Acts two, verse two, the immediate result was that Jesus' followers were emboldened to tell others about him. And when they did, people turned to Jesus. They owned their sin through confession. And they changed their direction. We refer to that as repentance. And then they began following Jesus. Now now this event, in Acts chapter 2, Is often referred to as the birth of the church. God the Holy Spirit came and the church burst into a flame of vibrancy and vitality that began to change the world. Over the next two to three hundred years in early church history, the church would grow from just a handful of followers of Jesus to a movement of millions. Across the Roman Empire. In fact, so influential was the experience of Jesus in that day uh, that it is part of of the reason why the the Roman Empire began to decline in its ability to crush and dominate uh, other world peoples, other nations. We, We speak of the fall of the Roman Empire. It was a window of time from about 395 A.D. until the sack of Rome in 476 A.D., the exponential growth of Christianity was so fundamental that it had changed Roman culture. And it could no longer be that beast-like character. We thought, remember Revelation? This had begun to change, and we refer to it as the fall of the Roman Empire. Now, the book of Acts that we just began reading in Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament tells about the first few decades of this massive growth of faith in Jesus, and it sets the stage for then what would follow over the next two to 300 years. We often call the book of Acts, we refer to it as the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, We would do better to refer to it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because he is central to everything that God does throughout that book, as he invites people to come and see Jesus, as Jesus is elevated. God the Holy Spirit was pointing millions of people to Jesus in that day and he filled and he equipped and he empowered the the, the first century church to do that work. Now it's true that the church floundered through many of the next centuries, 400, 500, through many of the next centuries. And yet in every generation you can find evidence that God was still at work History tells of awakenings and revivals that took place in virtually every generation. Often it was this unique love that Christians showed to to neighbors in the midst of pandemic. Uh, Various plagues devastated Europe during those centuries but countless millions turned to God because of the love that Christians showed them in the name of Jesus, even if it meant that they would die with those they were witnessing to as a result of the plague. We get to the mid-1800s, and Christians praying earnestly, seeking God fervently, began to see more clearly that they had been not paying full attention to the work and the person of God, the Holy Spirit. God began convicting people of sin. Remember Jesus' words? John 14, 15, If you love me, obey my commands. And as God convicted people of sin, we have the birth of what has been called the holiness movement. The Christian and Missionary Alliance began in the holiness movement. It was this mass turning to God through confession and repentance, and it opened the door to what God was going to do next, 1900 to 2021, the exponential growth of the church. But there is more. God is not done yet. What would this look like today? Let me read a little further. We'll go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus says this, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. He comes back to this a couple of times in this chapter. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Down to verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So are you ready to learn? But can we receive this as a reminder today and lean into something with a fresh ambition and passion the promise of Jesus Matthew 16 18 was that he said I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it so what do we do with this it so happens that's the exact question But those who heard Peter on that first Pentecost Sunday, Acts chapter 2, it's the exact question they asked. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I want to invite you to experience the power of God, the Holy Spirit, again. Maybe you find yourself in one of maybe one of those sets of words that Peter used are particularly meaningful to you. He says, "You must repent of your sins." You must turn to God. And he says, Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's very easy to be hearers of God's word and never become a doer of God's word. And so that first piece, obedience, that can be elusive, it can be difficult, it can be inconvenient. But we must take intentional steps towards Jesus if we're going to experience and walk in his power. I have three suggestions for you this morning. One is that tomorrow, this week, you would become intentional if you've not already been intentional about reading scripture and praying. Avoid God speaking on Sunday only. And invite God the Holy Spirit to be your teacher such that he would teach you and remind you of what Jesus has promised. We're going to continue this study of the work of the Holy Spirit over the coming weeks. We're going to seek him together each Sunday, but let's do it each day of each week. Maybe you'd consider reading scripture with me this coming week. And Everything Okay on Thursday, I published a, 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 an invitation and a link inviting you to a, a U version Bible app reading plan. You can read it at your own pace, your own time, but know that there are others among us, 15 or 20 have already signed up, who are going to be reading the same passage of scripture, reading the same devotional, and if you'd like to comment, you can. You don't have to, but, but maybe you've got a prayer request that comes out of what we're we're reading together but it's we're just going to remind ourselves and invite the holy spirit to teach us invite him to remind us and then one another invite one another to remind us of things that he's teaching us in this window of time here's a second suggestion so so read scripture and pray here's a second suggestion make a perp- make the point to be here next sunday we're going to explore what the apostle paul was saying uh, about the Spirit's power for victory. Now, we may only be online again. That's okay. We are together, though we are apart. But join us, make the point. If we can be in person, we will let you know. <laughs> but, but make the point, make the point to be in worship with us here. Set aside other distractions in your home if that's where you are, your car, wherever you are. And, and, and give God your focus for this hour. And seek Him intentionally. The one who moved through those first hundred years, rocketing Jesus to the center stage of history, the one who through the 20th century has taken what seemed to be a dying church and brought revival and exponential growth, the same one, God the Holy Spirit, is available to you. Here's a a third suggestion for you. I mean, if you're a new believer... This can be an exciting window of time for you to, to, perhaps this is an inquiry that you've not yet made. But here's a third suggestion. Thursday, June 17th through Saturday, June 19th, uh, God willing, we will host the the soul care retreat right here in our church facility. Why not book a couple of vacation days and, and, and sign up and join us? A couple of Alliance churches in Calgary that have experience with this are helping us lead this. And I would love for you to experience the freedom that God has for you. Take two or three days and pursue him intently, June 17th through the 19th. But what about right now? Why not this morning? What about, what about right here in this space right now? If you've walked in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, then you know what I'm speaking about. You and I together need to agree and we need to come together. We need to keep coming back to God for more of him, coming back and inviting the Holy Spirit to fill us and equip us afresh. And we know this, all of this begins with Jesus. So I'm gonna pray kind of two prayers or two parts of a prayer together this morning. And I'm gonna invite you then to just linger. I'm I'm gonna play a song for you. Um, Don't rush away. Just linger in a posture of receptivity, of being willing to receive. The song's called Fall on Me. It's a prayer. But first, will you just bow your head with me? Close your eyes. And maybe put your hands out in front of you as though you were expecting to receive a gift. And pray something like this with me. Lord God Almighty, we are coming before you this morning as people with deep needs. Some of us are coming this way for the first time, and we need salvation. If this is you, pray something like this. Lord Jesus, my sin has kept me from you. I'm done trying to live my life by my own standard and in my own way. Please forgive my sin and teach me to walk with you in charge of my life. And As we continue in prayer, all who are willing, join me in this prayer. Lord God Almighty, come and fill me with your power Come and infuse me with your life. Come and begin to renew my mind and heal me from the inside out. Heal my wounded heart, my scarred mind, my worn body. I ask this, Lord God. Friends, just remain in this posture of prayer. Staying in a place where you can receive from God. And I'm going to play a song. Just let the music and the lyrics wash over you. The song is a prayer. On screen, my daughter Catherine is going to put this prayer into movement through dance. It it may be helpful to watch or, or maybe your eyes need to be closed and you're just focusing on receiving what God wants to give you right now. circles and guide me to love I don't know what's right for me, I cannot see straight, I've been here too long and I don't want to wait for it fly like a cannonball straight to my soul tear me to pieces and make me feel whole I'm willing to fight for it to feel something new to know what it's like to be sharing a space with you Fall on me with open arms. Fall on me from where you are. Fall on me with all your light. With all. With all your light, Sooner or later it all comes apart The walls are all shattered, I'm back at the start But I'm willing to follow this wherever it goes The heart has its reasons that nobody knows And I want to believe in a world we can't see I mean, it. I feel it, I swear. I can't see the future, but I know that it's there. Fall on me with all. We come to the Lord's table this morning, reminded of God's love for us. God loves you, and He has demonstrated that love in the most profound way imaginable. God poured Himself into human frailty and became incarnate among us, walking among us, caring for us, ministering to us, showing us the way to the Father and then laid his perfect life down in place of mine. He did what I was unable to do and he offers you his life and we remember that here. If you are in Christ, if this means something to you, join us. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread from the Passover table and he said, this bread is my body given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Let's us eat together. And then he took the cup he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Take and drink in remembrance of me. Let us drink together. So immense is his love for you that he continues to come to us. He will not leave us as orphans. He has not left us orphaned. We are in his embrace and he is in us.